Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Brick and Data podcast. Today we have someone I found really charismatic and interesting during her shop.org main stage session with Guy Raz. Her name is Mickey Birodelli, CEO of Kidbox, and she sat down with Jose and I to talk about just that, her time at Kidbox, and why it's been such an impactful few years for her and for the retailer. So we'll hear more about Kidbox, but essentially Kidbox is the first kid's personalized style box that provides parents with a convenient way to dress kids in interesting brands, cool brands, and add a savings. So very niche market there, but a very well-established business model, but they've got their own tweaks and uniqueness that we'll hear about soon. And we'll also hear about her background a bit in retail, what the early days at Kidbox were like, and there's one thing that they're doing that no other retailer is doing. And you'll hear about it in this interview. So a little bit about her background really quick. Mickey joined Kidbox as CEO in September 2016. For the couple of years before that, from 2014 to 2016, Mickey was president, digital commerce, and chief marketing officer at Chico's FAS. She oversaw the digital commerce business and marketing strategy for three distinct brands, Chico's, White House, Black Market, and Soma Intimates. Prior to that role, she was Chief Marketing Officer at Tory Burch from 2009 to 2014. So she has a storied experience in retail. Her, the list goes on as far as her experience goes. But she's been given numerous awards and recognitions. She was recognized in 2011 as one of, quote-unquote, the top women in cross-channel retail. In 2013, as one of Brand Innovator's top 50 women brand marketers. And as one of the 10 of tomorrow by Women's Wear Daily, and received the Silver Plaque Award from the NRF in 2015 for her contributions to the retail industry. So it's awesome to have her on, an impressive person, really cool company she's leading. Here's Mickey. All right, we're live. Mickey, thanks for coming. Thank Appreciate you it. for having me. Awesome to have you here. So Mickey, Mickey Berardelli is the CEO of Kidbox, and uh, we would love to have you just give a quick you know, long and short on Kidbox, a little bit about your history and your sure. experience in retail. Okay. What makes it special? Kidbox is, a lot of people refer to it as Stitch Fix for Kids. Yeah. I think it's that, but so much more. Um, that explains the business model, certainly. So it's a curated, personalized box of style for eight kids ages newborn to 14. And we feature four different style personalities for both boys and girls. And the parent and the child go to Kidbox and complete a very easy-to-complete survey telling us about their child's personality, style preferences, things they like, more importantly, things they don't like. All of that data feeds into a proprietary algorithm that then hits up against our product catalog and serves up the perfect box to our styling team um, through data science. And then our styling team puts the human touch on it, selects the items just for that customer, and the box is shipped out the door and sent to the customer. Magical. Yeah. That's, that's it's, it's hard. It's, there's a lot of hard work that goes on behind <laughs> the scenes. And you make it I sound can, so simple. I can I, we, we know I can it's not that you. simple. It I, seemed I, really <laughs> simple when I took the job. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. And I mean, can you talk a little bit about the, the business? We, we always sure. like talking about the Genesis story of how did the idea come about for this type of business model for this type of market? So our founder was an early investor in Trunk Club, which is a similar service for sure. uh, 
apparently for men who didn't know how to dress at work, but had a lot of money to figure out how to do so. And he had a history in children's apparel and just felt that this business model lended itself so perfectly to children, not only because they're constantly growing out of clothing and it's really a necessity play, it's not a luxury play. Sure. But also because they're dirty little creatures and they they tend to soil <laughs> their clothing. Yes. Filthy germ so, germ pools. Um, so children seem like the right uh, the right category to apply this business model to, and that that's where the germ of the idea came up. But then he added in the social mission and, sure. and the things that were true and near and dear to his heart. Sure, which is which is fascinating because it, it, it's a small, let's say the startup industry within our retail sector mm-hmm. is, is quite small. So it's interesting that he uh, probably invested in Kevin Spitali, who pr- prior to that was with Andy Dunn at Bonobos and then who, branched off to Trunk Club. He's a buddy of mine. We're both Northwestern graduates in Chicago. Chicago grown. So much so. name dropping happening <laughs> yes. right now. Yes. Well, <laughs> there's only a few of us in New York these days, so we, we hang together. That's great. I'll, I'll actually be um, interviewing Andy uh, on October 2nd. Oh, he's fantastic. <laughs> I'm really excited for his success, and, and he's been a great colleague. And, and then in terms of um, the success of KidBox, what, mm-hmm. what drove its early success? Because we, we know that starting companies is not easy. Uh, no. So what... what, what uh, helped with the early success? Was it word of mouth? Was it social? Mm-hmm. H- how did you work that? The early growth really came from and continues to come from social. And by that I mean when when parents, especially moms, were going after those dads, but uh, the majority of our parent customers are moms. When they discover KidBox and realize the convenience and the value sure. and the and quite frankly, the problem it's solving for them and the time it's saving for them, they're proud to know about it and therefore they share. And where they share that news is on Facebook because that's where they quote unquote hang out. Sure. So the word of mouth has been truly powerful for the growth of our business. And, um, and then also just Facebook targeted advertising has been very successful sure. in acquiring customers and what we're able to do these days with data and, and identifying and targeting in an efficient way that Absolutely. allows us to grow the business profitably sure. has been successful as well. Wow, it, 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 that's fascinating. I mean, with the generation that we're talking about, I would imagine your customers would be uh, millennials, just given the age range that one would have to be to be a customer, roughly. Correct. Yeah, I would say the majority are millennials, but we do have a lot of women having children older okay. um, in their, um, later in their life. than, than um, so, so we have a nice span. In fact, it's, an, it's interesting for me because my career has been in marketing and database sure. marketing and direct marketing for years and years, and so I've seen a lot of customer databases. I have never seen a database that is as diversified as our database, both in terms of age, in terms of socioeconomic, in terms of geography, you name it. Wow. And to me, that's as a marketer, that's really exciting because that means the guardrails that we have to work within are pretty wide and we're and we're reaching a lot of different types of customers so so yes we have that millennial and we need to answer to her needs sure. and she's very socially driven so our social mission rings very true with her but the phenomenon of of busy working moms whether they're working in the home or outside of the home and, the, and their need to save time but also find ways to spend 
time with their children sure. in meaningful ways is a universal, uh, a universal concept. Great, which makes a lot of sense um, in, let's say, in reference to what you said earlier in terms of using data science, because if you have such a vast amount of uh, unique customers mm -hmm. that uh, range across the spectrum, you really do need analytics on we the do. back end in order to, let's say, pick up the sparse signals in order to come up with actionable, let's say, business outcomes. Absolutely. And there's things that uh, algorithms can do that are fairly easy. They, they, can, they can take care of the child who doesn't like the color yellow or doesn't want denim in their box. The human stylist is what looks at the customer and the data that we have that isn't built into the algorithm yet, like where they're living, what the climate is, what the temperature is, what their back to school schedule is, and be able to put that human touch and, and thought pattern. So it's, I like to say the magic happens where we strike down the middle of the data science and the human well, touch. That's actually an interesting point because we were gonna ask you about that blend, you know, that mm -hmm. blend which is a common thing now that technology and analytics has made its way into Art retail, and right? Art mm -hmm. and science and, uh, you know, when when that data science is used by the quote unquote human, mm -hmm. right? Uh, packing it's the really box a human or choosing the box, right? Box. It really <laughs> right. is but a it's human. Like, no quotes Using required. the word human is weird, you know. It's <laughs> like it's like uh, by the by the person, by the employee, you know. Like yeah. they're there doing their job, and, and when they're using the data, mm -hmm. what is it? What is the experience like for them? Like do they do they get a suggested do they get a suggested list of items for that profile that should be packed, and they look at it and say this doesn't look right or this looks great. Maybe we should add in something extra exactly. or, you know, right. Is it that's that? their experience? So yep. there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes in the way of the data science and the proprietary algorithm that serves up the perfect box for a yep. size seven sporty boy, for example, yep. the styling team, each stylist pulls up every box. No box goes out without the human touch and the review of the product. And sometimes it's perfect and they let it go. And, other times, they want to tweak it a little bit, or they know about something that just moved into the assortment that they're excited about that fits that personality. So they have the freedom to do that. They, they do have the freedom to do, to do that. Yeah, yeah, the goal is, when I think about the business, I would like for the data science to do 80% of the work and the human sure. touch to be 20. Sure. Right sure. now, we're definitely uh, closer to 50-50 because we're continually building new data elements that feed into the algorithm. You have to start somewhere. And, and just quickly about that, we can move on after this, but mm -hmm. the, the, is there a data science team, I assume, right? There is a set of data scientists, or you, is that an outsourced thing, or is there, no, how, I guess, how is your data manipulated? In-house. Okay. In-house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In-house engineers, and it's shared between technology, product, and but data, um, what's different about this company and what we're building is, is data is not owned by a department that sits down the hall that you go to to receive reports or sure. request reports. Data is infused in everyone's work. Yeah. And they use data in different ways based on their responsibilities within the organization, but they are absolutely empowered to review the data, to download, to create their own reports, and to make decisions. And, and affect their work in meaningful ways that drive the business. That is, that is a little bit of a seismic shift from more traditional experiences that I've it had where is, the data is sure. more controlled. Um, I think to, to have the agility and speed that, that we have and that these newer companies have, you, you absolutely have to work in that way. So yesterday, and we had been reading, um, Kitbox mm -hmm. actually is 
donating brand new clothes yes. to charities. Could, could you tell us more about sure. this? Because we, we found this when we were talking to Todd to be quite quite special because um, an early stage company, let's say, or a small company in mm -hmm. your case, often does this later, but you guys are doing this earlier. Yeah. Could, could you explain the initiative? And Sure. So our founder has sat on the board of directors of a company called Delivering Good for many, many years. They actually just renamed themselves over the last year and a half or so. It used to be Fashion Delivers and KIDS, and those two organizations merged. And, and what they did is they, they pooled together all of the retail and brand entities in the, in the business world and said, can we collect, can you donate a portion of your unused inventory to help families in need? And then they combined the two organizations and became Delivering Good, and we, we partnered we have partnered with them since day one, and our mission is to provide brand new clothing from our excess inventory to children in need. So these are living, children living in distress situations, so it could be children living in poverty, military families, um, children who one or both parents are incarcerated, children who've lost their home in a fire flood or hurricane, which all happened in 2017, unfortunately. and. They are, these children are accustomed to receiving hand-me-down and gently worn clothes. They, they never in their life, most of them, have ever received anything with the tag still on, mm -hmm. an item that's just for them, sure. theirs. And he saw, our founder saw firsthand the impact that has on their dignity and, su and sense of self-confidence. Sure. And since he had sat on the board for so many years, it was very authentic and genuine to him, which I believe it needs to be in order for a company to truly resonate with a social mission. It has to be authentic. And we were fortunate to have that mission at the get-go. At, at, and it's truly the heartbeat of the company. So yes, we donate brand new clothing from our excess inventory to these children in need. And to date, we have donated $8.5 million worth of product and value to these children and seen the impact firsthand that it's having on their lives. That is some serious, yeah, that's some serious dollars right there donated. So it's fantastic. And it is brand new clothes. So you got to get a italicize the brand new part of it because that is, uh, that's yeah, key. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely. Yeah. And, and even more powerful, a little more intangible. Um, but the emotional currency, as I think oh, of it, yeah, no is doubt. the conversation that our parents, customers, are having with their children, yeah. our children customers, about the importance of giving back. And what we're hearing from the parents is that they're having the conversation earlier in the child's life than they would have otherwise because of the kid box shopping experience. So I look at that. That's powerful stuff, yeah. and we're very proud of it. So, so, Mickey, just to sort of wrap things up here a little sure. bit, the last thing I want to cover is something I saw on your website, and I was, uh, I was, I was surprised by it. Can you tell us about the kids' board? Yes. So That is so cool. I, yeah. I was very focused on establishing a board of directors comprised of children, <laughs> because we are in the business of children, sure. yep. uh, before we ever established a board of directors comprised of adults. So we, we are on our second group of uh, 12 children from all over the country who are do, already doing amazing things in their own communities. They have their own philanthropic causes, and we've we found them through social media or through word of mouth or or just through the submission of their own video yeah. to our nomination that's call. How they, that's how they apply. That's how they apply. Yeah. Yep. And we had children from all over the country sending in their videos, and um, they come to our office. That This year they'll come two times this year. They, they came to visit us in July. And we 
work, it's a very um, reciprocal relationship. So the kids come and they present their ideas on how they would use a donation from KidBox to make their difference bigger um, in their own community, and we mentor them through that process. And they also tell us what they like about the box, how to make the box better, sure. what product are we missing, what, what should the fun surprise and delight gift be in the box. Many of the kids thought silly string would be a really good idea. I said, absolutely not. As a parent, we're, we're not going to tick off our parent customers and send silly string. It's a staple. Um, Come on now. So, so we, do, we do veto some of their ideas, but most of their ideas um, are amazing. And they have, they have so many ideas to share. And, and it's really important for this brand to never talk down to children, to talk to them as equals. Sure. And they're, they're an inspiration. So, yeah, we have a kids board of directors, and, um, and we're really proud of it. Love it. That is fantastic. It's unusual, and unusual is great in retail right now. Needs more of that. I think so, so too. It's fantastic. Mickey, Mickey Berardelli, thank you so much for coming by. Thank you for having CEO me. CEO of Kidbox. We love it, um, and I've got my eyes on you guys. I think it's, it's going to be exciting next year or two coming up for sure. Great. Attack on to the first two. Good Thanks to for hear. coming by. Thank, thank you. you.